the Back to EPL special with Pod on You Loons. We're going to continue now, and we have someone making, I think, not only their Pod on You Loons debut, but Bryn, this is your podcast debut. Am I correct? Yeah, that's correct. First time ever on a pod. Well, welcome. I, you're going to get hooked, I think. Yeah, it seems awesome so far. It's, it's a pretty good time. We've met a lot of people through this show. Yeah. And Bryn, I recognized your name. So you know Nate, who was just on in one of our previous segments. But you know Nate. And I was talking with Nate. I was like, do we know a Liverpool guy? Do you know any Liverpool guys? And Nate brings up your name. And I had recognized you because you, very early on in this show's existence, you gave us a shout out on Twitter. And that was one of the coolest things that happened to us. Yeah, it was, I just, I forget that tweet, but it was, uh, I think somebody was saying, what were, what are some good pods out there? And I was, you know, just kind of starting to listen to some more Loons podcast. And I was like, yeah, you guys should definitely get a shout out. You guys are creating an awesome pod. So, well, we appreciate that because at the time we didn't know if anyone was listening. So, <laughs> yeah, but let's talk a little bit, Bryn, let's talk about Liverpool. That is why you came on. So we've previewed several teams so far. We've We've talked Leeds, we've talked Tottenham, we've talked Everton, we just got done with Arsenal and Manchester United, and even the most half-assed attempt at talking about Manchester City that I could have (laughs) possibly provided the listeners. But we're talking Liverpool now. Yeah. Bryn, what's your story with Liverpool? How'd you fall into Liverpool? Yeah, so it kind of, I guess a little bit of my soccer background is in 2006, my dad was able to go to Italy. So we lived in Italy for a year doing work. And so that's kind of when I caught the soccer buzz as I lived in Italy for a whole year. And it was just crazy. And that's when I really started to get into it. When I came back, that was also the time where Premier League games were actually starting to get shown on TV sort of regularly. You know, they were sometimes on like NBC. So everyone in my soccer team was kind of choosing teams, I guess. So there's a little bit of peer pressure that way. Um, and then at that time, Liverpool was like not that great. Like they weren't, you know, at the bottom of the table or anything, but they were finishing like eighth, ninth, seventh, something like that. You know, they were just trying to get into Europa League spots. So they were definitely kind of falling from grace. So that was kind of part of the reason I chose it is because I kind of I didn't want to be a poser, I guess, and just choose some big team like Man United that was winning titles at that time. And then I, I just really, when I when I saw the videos of the fans, you know, the, I think the supporter community for Liverpool is pretty amazing. Like the "You'll Never Walk Alone," that's pretty awesome. I it's kind of one of my goals to go to Anfield. I my some of my my buddies have been there, but I haven't been able to see it in person. And I don't know, it's pretty magical. Sometimes I'll just listen to that song because I think it's really powerful. Um, it even it gives me chills. Honestly, it gives me chills. Yeah. So that I mean. In big corporate soccer, sometimes it's hard, but I, I really think that mantra is kind of legit, and I really like that. And then also, I mean, the, one of their famous managers who like won them all their titles was named Bill Shankly, and my last name is Shank. And so when I found that, I was like, all right, this is, this is destiny. This has got to be it. So then I've been a Liverpool fan since, since ever then. So Why not an Italian team for you if you lived a year in Italy? Yeah, no, I definitely followed Fiorentina, which is the, we lived in Florence. Um, okay. And so I was definitely doing that. But kind of once I got, when we got back to the States, 
you know, the Premier League was just more popular and stuff. I still watch some Serie A, but I don't know. I just, the England League, I just, it appealed to me more. I just liked all the different teams and stuff. And I don't know. I'm forgetting who I heard this from, but I heard a commentator once refer to the popularity of the Premier League in the United States compared to, say, Italy, Syria, because we share a language, the game translates better. But they were saying that the the language of Italian soccer, of Syria, that the English translations, they were saying it almost doesn't do it justice. I don't totally understand that. But at the same time, I feel it. Because we're, we're just watching sports, right? We're just watching sports and we're watching sports with English commentators, English speaking commentators. But even then, watching Syria with an English commentator, it just doesn't feel totally authentic. Where yeah. NBC Sports, it feels like it's the real deal. I don't know. I think you're onto something, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Yeah. I mean, part of it too is just that, you know, the Premier League was the only one that was even kind of showing games at that time like now we have espn plus and you can watch all the different leagues whatever you want but at that time it was still not super easy to find so and all my friends were watching the premier league nobody else was watching <laughs> syria ah, so that was part of it too i kind of wanted to watch what everybody else was watching i guess in middle school so <laughs> so cheering for liverpool for a decade and a half yeah how sweet was last year it was pretty awesome yeah it was pretty crazy i mean when jurgen became the manager like four years ago i was i was really excited about that and i was like i know like something's gonna happen here because he was just such an amazing manager with dortmund and i just knew it was such a long time coming i mean it's such a bummer with covid that couldn't have the fans there and everything that would have been amazing i mean there was at the end of the season when they like won it all the fans still like went out by the stadium and they were the commentators talking about it, like oh man we shouldn't encourage this because the big groups but also, like it, it had been like thirty years, so it was, it was pretty cool to see all like the legends, like Kenny Dalglish and you know Ian Rush and all them, just kind of, and Steven Gerrard too, because that that was a big reason I became a Liverpool fan, as I was really attracted to Steven Gerrard. I thought he just worked really hard, and it was pretty awesome to finally get a title for him because they came so close in like 2013, 14, and it was just really big. You know, they, they've crossed this hurdle now, you know, this big hump. And now it's, I think it's a big relief off of all the fans. So it was, it was pretty, pretty awesome. I mean, I'd been waiting for like, yeah, 10 years. I mean, when I chose to follow them back there, I was like, I'm going to be there when they win a title. 10 years later, I'm here, but it took a long time. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So I see a lot of Liverpool fans around here. And Honestly, I think most of them have been Liverpool fans for a while. I don't think they're just hopping on the bandwagon. Do you connect a lot with our local Liverpool supporter community or? A little bit. I mean, there's definitely some people that are like more into it. But yeah, Brits, I go down to Brits. Like Minneapolis has an official supporters club for the for the team. Like you can go on Liverpool's website and look up all the supporters clubs. And Minneapolis is like an official one. So, which is pretty cool. Like I have my t-shirt that says the Minicop, which is the Minnesota, and then tied into the cop, which is the famous supporter section in the Anfield. Okay. So yeah, I go down to those. I don't go down for like every game, but like kind of the big games like Manchester United or when the Champions League, when, when they, the Champions League final that they lost to Real Madrid, I think that was like two years ago. That was pretty amazing. Like the whole bar 
was just packed with people. And then they have the, I think the owner of Brits is like a kind of a Liverpool fan. And so they have a particular room that has all these like Liverpool banners and stuff. So it's a pretty cool scene. Hopefully we can get back down there, you know, soon with COVID and it's, it's a good vibe down there. I know with the stuff in the summer, like Brits kind of got trashed a little bit, like looted a bit. So it was cool. Cause the, well, that wasn't cool, but the, they, the, the people on Facebook, the, they created like a fundraiser for the staff and the fans kind of raised a lot of money for the staff cause they kind of out of work cause of that. So. Yeah. I played a uh, Brits pub hosted a trivia event just an online pub trivia event. And that was a little bit of a fundraiser too, where people could donate money and it would go directly to the staff. So Brits is a fantastic place. That's where I'm a Chelsea guy and that's where Chelsea meets for their games too. Yeah. It seems, yeah, it's like a home, which is nice to have. Yeah. And it, and it's huge. It's big enough. Nate was just uh, trashing the clubs that weren't Tottenham saying in the twin cities, you either go to the, you either go to Brits or you go to the local where if you're a Tottenham guy, you got your own place. Yeah. I'm like, Brits is huge, right? Brits is yeah. big enough for the entire premier league, right? <laughs> to have their own room there. Yeah, I agree. I think like, I mean, obviously I get into it with the rivalries and stuff, but I certain to a certain extent, I'm like, I live in the U S you know what I mean? I'm not, super diehard like you know if i see a chelsea fan at brits i'm not gonna punch them or whatever like i'm just like we're just enjoying soccer together and good good to know good yeah, to know exactly. <laughs> I, I mean i have a very young kid so i'm not making it to brits on too many weekend mornings but it's so early sometimes it's tough <laughs> but when it happens i'm glad to know that Bryn's not gonna punch me there you go yeah <laughs> now how how would you describe the season so far with the Premier League, with the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, I think the season so far has been a little bit kind of up and down. They've had a lot of injuries, which has been tough. I mean, Jurgen was really mad. Like, the compressed schedule is just crazy on some of the players. And it's been a bit of a bummer that, you know, we got Tiago over the summer and we haven't really even gotten to see him play at all because he got COVID and then he got injured. But, I mean, they're right up there at the top. And I think that's awesome. Like, I don't think they're going to have as good a season as they did last year. But I think, like, at the start of the season, I was like, I don't know if they're really going to be challenging again for the title. I just thought the other teams were going to be way better. But, like, they weren't going to dominate the league as much. But I think so far they're kind of showing they're able to grind out some results, which is good to see, and still kind of able to weather that storm. So hopefully they can yeah keep going on and the Diogo I know Diogo Jota has been awesome and so that's been a really cool signing to see to have him come in and be awesome right away because that doesn't happen a lot you know that you get a player and they're immediately contributing so that's been really cool now is it now that you've finally gotten your title is the joy still there are you are you still having a good time watching Liverpool or is it you're you're never going to reach that high again how is that? Yeah, it's different. I think, I mean, it's definitely a joy to watch them, but it's just, uh, it's kind of different. You got to change your perspective of, you know, now you've proven it and now it's, you got to be up there consistently. And for so long, it wasn't the case. It was just a matter of, you know, we got to prove it. We got to prove we can do it. And now it's, we got to maintain it, which is way harder to do, but yeah, I'm definitely enjoying it. You know, I, I definitely like watching them and seeing what they can 
do this season. I, I mean, I hope they win the league again this year. That'd be so cool. So awesome. So have back to back. After going 30 years to then yeah, exactly. <laughs> do the repeat. So what is your outlook for the future? Do you, if, if you had to, if you had to bet, I, I, I'm not a betting guy. I don't know if you are, but if you had to bet, does Liverpool repeat this year? I'm going to say no, because that's what I said going into the season. But And I'm probably not a real Liverpool fan because of that. But I, I just think, you know, Tottenham and all those other teams have been looking really good. And Tottenham's kind of in a similar position that Liverpool has been in forever. You know, just kind of right on that bubble for such a long time. So... But I, th- I think Liverpool is definitely going to be challenging. I don't think I don't think it's going to be something where one team wins it, you know, with like a couple games to go. I think it's going to go down to the last two games, especially because of everything so compressed. And this season's already just been so different, like so many draws, so many losses, and it's just way more of a up and down season, way more unpredictable this year. And the Premier League's already just super unpredictable as as is. So. Well, and you've had some injuries too that are lagging you guys a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So I think that plays a big part. I think some of the players that were injured are just kind of coming back. So that's good. But it, it really just depends on well, how well they can kind of gel back in. And I mean, Klopp, I think, said that at the beginning of the season. He's like, that's going to be the biggest obstacle this year is just injuries. Cause, and that's for like every team. It's just how do you manage that? So, I mean, Liverpool has pretty good squad like depth, and I think the transfers they've done have been really good about building those squad players because when they have subs come in, I'm like excited to see those subs play, which isn't always the case for some other teams. You know, I, I like I really want to see like Alexander or not Alexander and Ox Oxley Chamberlain play or like Minamino. Like that's exciting to see those players because they're good and they can provide stuff, and it's it's good to kind of see those players too and see the whole squad, I guess. So rock on. So Bryn, you have an opportunity right now. I'm assuming not every listener out there has an EPL team yet. So if they're looking for an EPL team, you get the opportunity right now. Why should it be Liverpool? I think you should choose Liverpool because the fans, the fans are pretty awesome. I mean, they create such awesome songs. Like I'll look up the songs and I'm, I get jealous. I'm like, man, I can't think of these chants. Like I'm trying to think of chants for Minnesota United games and stuff like that. And I'm like, these fans are just, they've been doing it forever. And so they're, they're super passionate. I think there's like a real community, like a real working ethos around the club. So I would say that, I mean, if you're, they also, I mean, they're owned by American owners. So that's kind of, kind of cool. They own, they're like the Boston Red Sox owners are, own Liverpool too. So, and like LeBron James is like an owner in Liverpool <laughs> too. So they kind of have that US connection a little bit too. Like there was Pulisic was like linked to Liverpool for like a little bit. And I was like, oh man, that would have been so sick if he, if he went to Liverpool. But I um, think a lot of Chelsea was linked to Liverpool at one point. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They kind of all go for the same players. But yeah, I would say the fans, I mean, Jurgen Klopp's also just like, I mean, obviously I don't think you'd choose the team just for the manager at that particular time, but I think he's like such, you like, you just want to root for him. He's such like a good guy and he's just like, seems like really reasonable and really smart and you know, he like really cares about his players. And so that's, I think, really appreciated, I guess, sometimes when it's, it can be so crazy, I guess, and 
I mean, he, when he got hired, he was like, I'm the normal one versus Jose. Yeah. <laughs> so I think they kind of have, they're grounded, I guess is what I would say to, about Liverpool. They seem to kind of know who they are and they're not trying to be anything else. And so that's, I appreciate that. You know, they're just going to do it how they want to do it and see what happens. So that's kind of what I would say. All right, man. Well, Bryn, we appreciate you coming on the pod. We appreciate that shout out you gave us very early on in our existence that I, I got to say it led, it led directly led to some pretty cool connections that we made on this pod. So you, you will forever be a big part of this podcast and our history. And we appreciate that. It's nice to finally have you on the show and look forward to you coming back on later, man. Yeah, absolutely. You guys make such an awesome podcast. Thanks for having me on. Right on, man. You have a good night. Yeah. See ya. All right, guys. We've talked a lot of EPL so far. We've gone through seven teams. We are on team eight of eight, but I saved my favorite team, Chelsea FC, saved it for the very end, and I got on not one, but two good guys to come on and talk about Chelsea with me. So I think it's going to be an entertaining end to this episode, this special back to EPL episode. First, a recurring guest. This is his third time in just like a month. We got Cameron of Gorilla FC over in Seattle. Welcome back to the show, Cameron. How are you doing? Hey, Sam. Good to be here. I'm glad to be here at a time where we don't need to, to be enemies and we can talk about our love for the same team. Yeah, right. And Cameron, I will say, as distraught as I was that your Sounders beat Minnesota United in the Western Conference Final, you were such a good guy. You know, you kept coming on and you you would talk a ton to us before and after the episode. And we've really got to know you, texted back and forth a little bit. Just because you're such a good guy, you had me feeling bad that the Sounders lost to Columbus. So the Sounders, man, you had me feeling bad that the Sounders lost. So that's just a credit to how good of a guy you are, Cameron. Thank you for coming back on. Of course. Thank you for having me. And the, the feeling's mutual. I mean, it, even if you didn't have Ozzy... Uh, I would I, I would still be rooting for Minnesota unless they're playing us. Appreciate it. Second person joining me tonight, a familiar voice in the Minnesota United podcast community. We have David from the Lunacy. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for having me on, Sam. Looking forward to chatting about Chelsea. I am psyched. So, guys, everyone has been just saying how they fell into the club of their choice, right? Because most of us, we live thousands of miles from England. Most of us don't necessarily have a specific connection to England. So it's been all these crazy different ways that we have fallen into our clubs. David, do you want to go first? Why Chelsea? Uh, yeah, so mine's a pretty boring reason. Uh, went to college, 1999. Uh, a guy down the hall uh, told me I should uh, check out some Premier League. You know, I was not a soccer fan prior to college. In fact, uh, we really didn't even have soccer in my hometown too much until I was in high school. So I was like, sure. I, I checked them out. Uh, they were on a channel that we had on the campus cable. Chelsea happened to be the game that was on. Uh, I don't recall who they were playing or anything, but I, I saw it and I was like, yeah, this is pretty good. You know, it was different from what I thought of soccer. And so I think, you know, it went a couple months before I watched him watch any soccer again, actually. And then I saw a few more games of theirs toward the end of that semester. 
And um, I thought, hey, yeah, these guys are pretty cool. Watched a few other games. I know I watched some Manchester and some Liverpool matches to whatever reason. Chelsea kind of stuck. So that was that. I, I think I don't know that I ever really got to watch too much outside of randomly for the next couple seasons uh, because my parents didn't have a channel that that had them. But for whatever reason, once I got really into it, uh, Chelsea was the team that I went back to. Uh, and so 20 years later, here I am still a Chelsea supporter. Right on, man. As good of a reason as anything, right? Like first game you watched. I love it. Now, Cameron, you're a little bit different from many Chelsea fans I meet in the United States in the sense that your fandom dates back early 90s. You're an OG when it comes to American Chelsea fans. So Cameron, what's your story? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I was kind of grandfathered in by by an even a, a lifelong Chelsea fan at that point. But, you know, I, I was looking for a team to root for, I think. Um, I actually don't remember what channel it was because uh, Fox Soccer World came about a little later. But I'd watched some Premier League games. I didn't really like Man United or anyone like that. Uh, and I, I was a casual fan. And then I, I went to Fat Camp in San Diego in 1994, and I snuck off to watch the World Cup. And that really cemented my love of soccer. I'd played it growing up, but that was the point where it went from, this isn't just something that I like to watch to this is something I want to watch as much as possible. And about a year later, I started working at Safeway. And uh, I was a, a bag groceries. I was a, a courtesy clerk, it's called. And the checker who I often, my favorite checker who worked there was about 10 years older than me. He was from London and grew up a Chelsea supporter and actually has the scars to prove it where like, Liverpool supporters hit him over the head with a pipe. So he has a big scar that runs all the way down his head from getting hit with a head for walking without uh, protection after a match. So he was there for a lot of troubling hooliganism fandom. Um, so, uh, you know, I would, I would work with him. And the thing about working in that environment is all the people come and go as you're bagging groceries and stuff. So you can have an ongoing conversation with that checker. And we would just talk Chelsea all the time for full eight hour shifts and he started taking me to watch games with him at places where possible. I couldn't go to pubs because I wasn't 21. But it, it just, you know, by by the 90, probably the end of the 94, 95, and then fully the full, full season that I was into was the 95, 96 season. I was, I was way into Chelsea. And so they were a mid-table team at that point. They had a, some superstars on the team. You know, they, they had Viali, who was a, a player coach for one of those seasons, which was pretty amazing. And uh, it's something I feel like you wouldn't hear of at a top level now ever, but I just, I loved them so much. And it, it was amazing to see them grow up and become a super club like they are now. That's awesome, man. I came into it much later, 2008. I was a student at UW-Eau Claire, but I spent a semester at a university in England called the University of Winchester, which is actually really close to Southampton. But Southampton wasn't in the Premier League at the time, and I wasn't educated enough in English football to understand that just because you weren't in the Premier League didn't mean that you weren't a big deal, right? Like, I, I just figured Southampton was just a minor league team, like the St. Saint Paul Saints or something like that. I didn't realize that they were actually just a big, a big club with a very loyal fan base. So London was just an hour away, and... Being just an hour away, quite a few of my classmates were from London. And one of the very first guys to take me out to the pub 
he was a Chelsea guy and he had on this blue Adidas kit with the white stripes. And I, I thought that was sweet. I've always been an Adidas guy. And to me, right, I had heard of Manchester United, but I had never heard of Chelsea. To me, this seemed like the scrappy underdog. I was really wrong, right? This was 2008. I was so wrong. <laughs> but, but like I said, I was uneducated. I probably would have been a Southampton guy if I was educated. I wasn't. I became a Chelsea guy. And I've been a Chelsea guy since. And I've been a very unashamed Chelsea guy ever since. Like, no one's going to tell me that I made a bad choice choosing Chelsea because I love it. What do you think it is about Americans? I mean, you talked about them being a, a, a thousand miles away, but I kind of got grandfathered into it. What do you think it was about Americans choosing Chelsea that made you feel like that was your team then? I mean, I know it was the first team you saw, David or Sam, that's you were near them, but why then did you glom onto them as opposed to keep searching and trying to find other teams? Uh, you know, I think for me, it was, uh, well, later on, I should say, a few years later on, uh, their success, um, the the fact that they had an, they get their their buyout and and Roman spends money and and brings in big names or well successful names and it, you know put effort into the team. Uh, growing up in Wisconsin, I was a huge huge baseball fan. Uh, Milwaukee Brewers were terrible, aside from nineteen eighty two World Series. And I was only two, so it's not like I knew what happened then. Um, so it was it was just one of those things where, I th- yeah, I think it was their success. I think it was the 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 motivation of the owner to to make a winning team. I, I think once I started garnering more knowledge of the of the history of the club and the fans, uh, you know, that hooliganism era was was really intriguing to me. You know, we don't really know of that stuff in America. Um, and it, you know, the, the, the overall, um, loyalty that this team has, this club has for fans, it was just interesting. It was just an interesting, um, aspect of it. So I think that's those few things combined were kind of what made me pull towards them. Yeah. And I don't have a deep answer to that question, Cameron. I don't change my mind very much. So if I say my favorite premier league team is Chelsea, my favorite Premier League team is Chelsea. And, um, you know, when I returned to the United States, so I was in England in 2008, I returned to the United States. I was never one to pay a lot for cable. And Justin still makes fun of me for this today. I've never been one to pay a lot for cable. So 2008 to 2011, I would say I very loosely followed Chelsea. I still would have said Chelsea was my team. I still checked in on their scores from time to time, but I didn't see very many games because I was finishing up college and wasn't paying for cable. Even if I paid for cable, I wasn't awake at that time on a weekend morning. I'm I was in college. <laughs> I was barely getting home by the time Chelsea was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then when I, when I moved to the Twin Cities in 2011 and... I got a job at a school where the majority of my colleagues, and I still work there now, the majority of my colleagues are Somali and soccer, very big in the Somali community. And they kind of re-energized me. And a lot of those guys, um, especially the ones I was closer with, Liverpool guys, Arsenal guys, they asked me if I had a team. I was like, yeah, it's Chelsea. Again, I said it was Chelsea back in 2008. 
I'm not the kind of guy to change my mind, Chelsea. And with, with that said, like the just string of very loyal, prominent players to Chelsea, those just familiar faces that have been there the entire time I've paid attention, right? Like Frank Lampard and all of his buddies, right? Mm-hmm. Like Ashley Cole hanging around Stamford Bridge still. Petr Cech still suiting up apparently for our um, for our youth team. <laughs> Still suiting up and going between the sticks, which is just sweet. You know, John Terry is literally the assistant coach of another Premier League team, and it seems like he's cheering for Chelsea. So it's just there is this fraternity of of just longtime Chelsea loyalists, and I love it. So, like I said, I, I think it's really cool uh, because it'd be really easy to switch teams, right? You have access to any team you want at any given time with technology. I do have friends, like I had a friend that was a Newcastle fan who switched to Liverpool now before they won the championship, but it's frustrating to me as a Chelsea fan for 25 years to to have someone be like, oh, I'm just going to root for a different team. I don't get it. So the fact that you would stay with your team is awesome, especially because back, back in my day, you know, although I'm the same age as you, David, pretty much, we had to, you know, get magazines and read about news from months before and match recaps from months before because they weren't, there was no... ESPN FC where you could just go on and get coverage or or like the athletic coverage of Chelsea is amazing. If you don't have memberships to the athletic, I highly recommend that to get coverage from them, but that just didn't exist. And so I, I just love now that we can, even that we could come online and we're all in different places. I mean, I guess you guys are near each other, but we're not sitting in the same place and we can have conversations about Chelsea. Right. Exactly. It, it does make it a hell of a lot easier. And as with, with you, I remember um, I had a, probably 2004, 2005 had a subscription to 442. Mm-hmm. And I remember we got it like a month after, like, I feel like it was a month or two delayed and it was just weird because I don't even know if I've really looked at a lot of the, a lot of the um, issues because it was so strange that I was like, well, this happened five weeks ago or whatever, you know, but yeah, it's interesting now because we could literally be talking, you know, if this was Saturday morning, we could literally be talking and, watching eight games from five different leagues all on whatever, you know, method we want to do. It's, it's incredible. And, you know, I think that's what helps build that, that loyalty. Now, you know, we had to go through the dark ages and now we're at a point, if you can make it through those years, well, now it's, it's almost impossible to drop your loyalty unless you've never actually been loyal because it's just, it's right there at your fingertips. I even watched the game in 4K the other day, which is insane. Like Comcast now has specific uh, NBC sports games in 4K. And so I was able to watch uh, a couple matches ago in 4K, which just blew my mind. That was so cool. Nice. So this next question I have for you. So it's, it's based on this. And I don't know if this is more sad or weird, but Cameron, I've talked to you now three times. David, this is my first time ever actually talking to you and not just texting you. You two are literally my best Chelsea friends. Okay. (laughs) I literally have no one else unless you count my daughter who I signed up for Chelsea in America to kind of build, build her up those points so that we can eventually go to work. You guys are my best Chelsea friends. So, how do you guys connect with the greater Chelsea supporters community? Because I'm I must not be doing a great job. 
Uh, for me, I don't. Not anymore. I mean, I, I used to. Uh, I used to go down to Brits um, every weekend, or almost every weekend. And uh, now I have a almost five year old and a two year old, and it's forget it. It, it isn't even possible. But I, even then, I, I used to live in Colorado for a few years, and they have a fantastic group in Denver. But I lived on the Western Slope. So six hours away. So even then it was like, can't do anything. Uh, I think I made it to, I actually think I made it to one Chelsea match in Denver, but you know, yeah, it's just ever since really ever since we had moved to Colorado back in 2013, I, I haven't really stayed connected at all because our daughter was born in Colorado and we moved back and it's just life gets in the way, but I'm still a member. You know, I, I still follow and interact now and then on, Facebook with the Twin Cities group occasionally. Um, interestingly enough, I'm probably more interactive with the Rocky Mountain Blues out of Denver than I am with the Twin Cities one. Mainly just because that was, since I've moved back from Colorado, I've been so consumed with family now that it's the what I remember was Colorado. So I, that's how I guess I, the closest I get to interacting with other blues supporters. Yeah. For me, it was uh, back when, when Paul, uh, who I worked with at Safeway would take me to stuff. And especially like when I, when I moved back to Seattle after college, or if I was back for summers, we would go, go do some stuff. Cause I went, I moved out of Seattle for, for college. I uh, went to California for five years, uh, including six months in Paris, which is when I actually got to see Chelsea play. Cause I was living in Paris and just, hop over to London for a game, but I, I would go with him. So these were like old English people that I was watching with. And by old, I mean 10 years older and 20 years older than me. So I was probably in my twenties. So they were forties or fifties at the time, thirties, which to me then was old. Now that I'm 40, that's not very old, but you know, I don't connect with the local group much. I have been self-employed except for teaching for the most part, my whole adult life. And so I'm not a morning person. So I tend to DVR the matches or stay up all night and watch them. If they're, if they're like the 4 a.m. match, I can watch it. But if it's a 6 a.m. match, I'm asleep and I got to DVR it and watch it later in the day. So uh, I'm not going to bars at 6 o'clock in the morning unless it's a huge match. Uh, we did have a Grell FC event when Chelsea won the Champions League final. And that was really cool. It, was a, it wasn't for Chelsea. It was for Champions League. But I got to celebrate with them. I, I think the main thing I did, obviously pre-COVID, was uh, I have friends of other teams. And so when our teams would play each other, we'd get together and watch it together. So that, that's the big thing is more watching with other people rather than watching with other, like with Chelsea fans. I did go uh, most recently, I guess last season to a, a um, Tottenham bar with Nate, who's a frequent guest on this show in Portland. And because he's a Tottenham fan and we actually watched Chelsea Tottenham there with him. But uh, that that's about it for going to bars for me. I'm just not a morning person. <laughs> yeah, I I think my experience relates pretty well actually to both of you in in different ways. I have a one and a half year old daughter. I'm not going to Brits. Simple as that. I I follow them on Facebook just just like David. I like a lot of their posts. I would love to be there. It's just it's not happening. Maybe eventually if if it's something my daughter is really into when she's older. Maybe that's the kind of thing that I take her to. We'll we'll see. I don't know how rowdy they get. I rarely go. I've been there. <laughs> I've been there for a few Chelsea games, and it seems relatively kid friendly. 
but but Cameron, what you said about just your friends that support different teams, I definitely relate to that. Not necessarily getting together and watching together, but frequently texting them while those games are on, snapping them while those games are on. I have a lot of Arsenal friends, a lot of Liverpool friends, you know, Nate Nate and his Tottenham and Justin and his Leeds. And so it's been really fun kind of as an American, you, you latch onto really anyone that follows soccer at all, rather than just the people that follow your specific team. So, you know, that that's actually a really good point because I remember just, I think it was probably three months ago now, I went out to just get out of the house and I was driving um, up in Champlin. Sorry, Cameron, you won't know where that is. A few miles away from my house and I'm on the highway and we get to a stoplight and this car pulls up next to me and the guy's in the in the car and he's signaling to roll down my window, which is, you know, obviously funny because he's actually signaling to roll down the window and we don't have rollers anymore. I, so I roll my window down and he, he starts talking to me. We're at the stoplight on a highway and he starts talking to me about Chelsea. He's like, I saw your, I saw your magnet on the back of your Jeep. And I just had to, I just had to say, hi. He, he asked me what I, what I thought about, um, Pulisic playing for them. And uh, he asked me what I thought about Lampard in, in that minute <laughs> that the stoplight was red, um, you know, connected with a with another Chelsea supporter or fan, at least, who I've obviously never met. I've never seen again and would never know if I did, actually. So it's just interesting how we we do just latch on to whatever, you know, we can do, because I remember coming home and telling my wife when she got home from work about it. And she's like, I don't care. But it's still, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, for me, I, I was like, well, that's that's pretty cool. I ran into another Chelsea supporter. So I think you segue well in the, what do you think about Pulisic? What do you think about Lampard? Guys, how is the season going in, in your eyes so far? And it's weird. Like when we scheduled this, I thought we were going to be the most insufferable segment on this entire episode. <laughs> and since then, we've lost two straight. We were on... What was what was our winning streak prior to last weekend? It was eleven matches unbeaten or something like that. Yeah, eleven matches unbeaten, and then we dropped two in a row. So I I think I think we've been deflated a little bit. So I don't know if that's better for podcasting or worse for podcasting. But guys, what would you say your opinion is on how the season is going so far? A little outside the top four in the EPL. But we we won our Champions League group and are on to the round of 16. Of course, we drew Atletico. Not the most favorable draw. But guys, how is this how is this season in your eyes? I think this season is an interesting one for for me because almost lately it seems like Chelsea has a great season and then they're a little off and then a great season and a little off. So I expected this to be one of the great seasons and talent-wise. It seems like they should. I mean, even Jurgen Klopp says that Chelsea is the team to beat in the Premier League. Talent isn't everything. What's on paper isn't everything. And those injuries just really seem to be hurting and they haven't been able to figure it out. And I think you see it like Tammy Abraham starting and then Giroud finally getting to start after scoring a bunch of goals, but then having no service the last couple games and and being unable to stop counterattacks as a team and Pulisic just being hurt all the time, which I guess... We didn't know this, but was a worry before he even came to Chelsea. So it's it's tough to to figure out 
what it is, where you can have what what should be the best team in terms of uh, experience and talent mixed together. But if people are hurt and you can't play your type of play, unless Lampard can figure out what to do, you know, it's going to be hard to, to win the Premier League. But for me, it's about riding this out right now. Get through these injuries. Just get as many points as you can without falling too far behind and then maybe being able to jump up. I actually, as a Minnesota United guy, I feel like my feelings I had towards Minnesota United and all the hype around the lineup we thought we were going to have this past season, you know, Amaria up top, Reynoso in the middle, but then Amaria got hurt during the MLS's back tournament, tried to come back and it just didn't happen. Reynoso kind of the opposite where we kept thinking we were going to get him. We were going to get him. We were going to get him. And then it ended up being months later that we finally got him. Turned out he was awesome, but that's besides the point. Well, and then Eichel Parra being out nearly the entire season, Ozzy being on and off. Like as a Minnesota United fan, I feel like we never had that optimal lineup that we were all so hyped about. And as a Chelsea guy, right? Like we had a good off season as far as signings go. Mm-hmm. We brought in some really quality guys and we got them at, really nice prices. We made some smart moves in the off season and like Ziek, he has been hurt. Pulisic, he's been hurt. We don't have that optimal lineup that we were all so excited about. I don't necessarily think that's why we lost the past two matches. Definitely has an impact, but man, I wanted to see that full strength lineup. But you're having to play a 10 on the wing or, you know, a, a potential 10 on the wing. The young players are having to be moved around into well, positions they're good at or not that maybe their best position. And that's what you got to do throughout a season. But I think those young players they brought in, you know, Havertz and, uh, and um, uh, Timo aren't able to play to the best of their ability because of the injuries. And they're relying more on those wing backs almost to, to push up the field than they would usually just rely on those wings. Yeah. You know, I, I, would voice the same same comments really. I, I was excited to to come into the season um, with the signs we had, and you know at the same time I'm a bit bit of a pessimist. Um, anybody that listens to the podcast, Lunacy Podcast, would know that. Um, and it, for me, it's I saw the signings. You know, I saw Timo and I saw Havertz and I, I saw Pulisic's. You know coming alive maybe in a, in a full season and, you know, Lampard's getting into the groove as manager. And, you know, I'm thinking Mount's got another season and he's, he's going to be growing still. And, and then I look at the defense and I'm like, well, you know, I don't know that I really like her defense. And, you know, you start seeing the fear starts creeping into me. The pessimism starts creeping into me. And so this season, I kind of came into this season thinking maybe it's going to be an okay season. I mean, I'm okay with us not being the top four. You know, I don't care if we're, if we have some off seasons to straighten things out. So I guess I was maybe prepared mentally a little bit for um, potential hiccups this season. The injuries are never anything you can really deal with anyway. I mean, they happen and that's the way, that's the way it goes. For me, I think, I think things are going to come together. I I agree with Cameron. I think we just need to weather the storm and um, get points where we can get points. And as the team gets healthy, you know, I think a lamps has a, 
has an idea of what he wants. And I, on paper, I can't imagine any manager not winning with this squad. So I think for me, I'm okay with where we are. I, you know, I don't think I'm terribly concerned, but I always keep that pessimistic card in my pocket to fall back on if we end up getting worse. Um, but you know, I, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty okay with where we are. I'm not too concerned. The chan- yeah, the Champions League draw with Atletico is awful, in my opinion. But I could have thought of different teams we could have we could have pulled. But I think we can do it. I honestly, I, I think I don't have any doubts that we can't succeed and, and and get past them. I think we can maintain that there is hope in that. I, I think it's interesting the conversation we're having because. It shows how lucky we've been, you know, how good they've been over time where, I, I mean, I kind of throw out the fourth place finish last year because the COVID, everything just kind of screws it up last season. But the season before finishing third, I remember being so disappointed finishing third. And think about it, even if you consider last year, finishing third or fourth and we're disappointed with that finish where there's a time where I would have killed to finish third or fourth. <laughs> how many How many teams in the Premier League would kill to be in that Champions League spot? How many times would... Tottenham love to, but Chelsea keeps knocking them out of the Champions League and sending them to Europa League. Like, man, we're spoiled, and and that's awesome. I ho- I, I want us to always want to win, but I think you're right, David. It's okay as long as they're building towards something. I'm okay with not winning right. it every year. I've had two. Yeah, years, I, you know, you mentioned the Brewers, uh, who were of course the Seattle Pilots first for one season. But uh, I am a Seattle lifelong Seattle Mariners fans and a fan, and up until this past season, they never rebuilt. They would spend every year kind of throwing some heavy pieces on top to try and just stay afloat. Now they're rebuilding, and as long as you're building towards something, I'm for it. And it, I think the the young pieces are in place, and if they bring in a few other key players, they should they should be right there at the top every year. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm not ready to sound the alarm either. I think it's been a tough stretch, but preceding that was a really nice stretch, right? 11 games unbeaten. That's awesome. I do think I'll be disappointed though, if we don't make top four, just because we did last year. And in my mind, we got better and we got better at a rate that most teams did not. So like we're, we're talking about Ziek not being in the lineup and struggling because of that. Well, last year, Ziek wasn't even on the team. Of course, we had William, right? But you get the point I'm making is we got better as a team. We finished fourth last year. I'm fine only finishing fourth this year. I'm, I'm fu- I don't necessarily, I didn't predict Chelsea to be league champions going into the season. I picked Manchester City. And if it wasn't them, it was going to be Liverpool in my mind. I did not pick Chelsea. But for sure, for sure, if they don't make the Champions League in my mind, it is a letdown. That doesn't mean I'm not excited about the build, but I will be disappointed if they don't make the Champions League. Yeah, I, I agree 1000%. But I also think if we're not going to win the championship, maybe we need to start loaning some players to teams like Fulham and Burnley and Brighton. Since Arsenal is only five points clear of relegation, if we could help those teams below them get some wins so that Arsenal could get relegated, man, that would be almost be better than winning the championship. Send the gunners down. Uh, can we get Man U down there too? Just get rid of all, I'll get them out of here. <laughs> you know, that, that reminds me of talk that we have here in Minnesota about Atlanta. You know, it's like 
Atlanta does poorly and Minnesotan, well, Loons fans, I shouldn't say Minnesotans, uh, Loon, Loon supporters are okay with it. Like that's almost a, why we have that, why we've built that rivalry into our heads. I don't understand, but it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's kind of like the Chelsea Arsenal thing, you know, it's, Arsenal does poor, you know, we can do, all we have to do is do better. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and I, I like that aspect of those, uh, those little rivalries that, that we create on well, Arsenal. Chelsea isn't a little rivalry. Sorry. <laughs> but um, I mean, it, it's still, I, I like that aspect where, you know, we can find silver linings and I agree. We should, we should uh, do whatever we can to kick those guys down. Now, maybe some of the listeners can clarify who are, or who are Vikings fans since I know Sam isn't, but I'm guessing that rivalry with Atlanta United. I mean, he's, he's a, a Packers fan as we all know, cause he talks about it. And I'm wondering if it goes back to the 1998 NFC Championship game when, or 1998 NFC Championship game, when the F- Falcons beat the Vikings and the, the Vikings were like the best that should have won the Super Bowl. And so I wonder, right. I wonder if that's where that rivalry between cities comes from and then it goes to the other sports. Because we have it in, in Seattle with you know, teams from LA, but it's through basketball, it's through football, it's through now soccer, like they exist across the board in all the sports and you hate those cities and all the sports, but it's because of, ri- they, they cross rivalries because of big games and other ones. Huh, yeah. So first of all, great job making this the second consecutive episode where that NFC championship game was brought into conversation naturally. Excellent job there, Cameron. <laughs> I don't think that that is true. I I am not a Vikings fan. My mom's entire family is from Minnesota, even though I grew up in Wisconsin. And my my wife is from Minnesota. She dragged me here. And my my college roommate is from Minnesota. And he lives five minutes away from me now. I don't remember hearing about any Atlanta hatred coming from Vikings fans. Yeah, like the How I Met Your Mother made it famous. Anytime that that game is brought up, the Vikings fans will all slam their fists down and say, damn, right? But I don't think that there is any hatred towards the city of Atlanta based off of that game. I think it's more specific to Minnesota United fans being mm-hmm. sick of being compared to Atlanta United who just came yeah. in and started spending, spending yeah. big and then were successful very early on. I think it more stems from that. But the Vikings lost to Chris Chandler. <laughs> we don't need to go back and really. Unfortunately, you're talking to two Packer fans, so it doesn't yeah. really doesn't really yeah. resonate with us too. <laughs> and, and we and we won't talk about American football anymore because then we're going to have to talk about NFC Championship games against Seahawks, and uh, it's not going to be pretty. So let's, yeah, let's, right, right, let's talk right, Chelsea. Yeah. Right, that's a good idea. Well, and actually, guys, we're we're towards the end of the episode, but this this one is important to me. Because as I told you guys both, you are, you two and my one and a half year old daughter, you are the Chelsea fans I know. And I would like to know a few more Chelsea fans. So there have to be some unaffiliated ears out there looking for their Premier League team. You can help me out, sell Chelsea to them. Why should they be with Chelsea? God, I'm a terrible salesperson. <laughs> uh, Cameron, can you go first? Here's why you should root for Chelsea. They've been around since 1905. That is a long history. And when you look at American sports fandom, we're more of a 
a, a newer sports fandom. You know, there's there's teams, I imagine the Detroit Lions, Chicago Bears, teams like that have been around forever. But you don't have a lot of soccer teams that have been around since 1905 in the United States. Uh, I would venture to say zero. Uh, at least at a professional level, we know that zero. So there's a long history. And it's also not a history of just domination. That's the thing is they had to fight to get where they are. They were the underdog for many years to get to this point where they can win. And so you don't have to live through those underdog years. You can now come in and watch a team which is an underdog in that maybe they're not going to win the championship every year, but they're going to have pieces in place that are going to be fun to watch while at least challenging for a championship. And that is so much fun to watch some of these young players go in there and be able to play with bona fide superstars and watch these people turn into superstars. And I think the other thing is that it just, there's a really strong history and it's fun to watch. And we didn't even get to talk about the time I went to Chelsea and how it was like, you almost got to sit in your own seat, which is different than any other place I've watched soccer outside the United States. But there's a sense of history with the club that goes through it and the the fandom and, and loyalty where you're not just jumping teams. Like you'll see for other Americans jumping from one team to another, just because the next one's winning, like all of a sudden everyone's a Boston Red Sox fan or a Liverpool fan or whatever you want to do in American sports. So I think it's it's a strong history where they haven't always been dominant, but they're always going to have a chance to win. So you're going to have a chance for good times. You're going to have good camaraderie and you're going to love doing it. And God, now I have to follow that. Um, so <laughs> ditto. Um, but at the, at the same time, I, I think, yeah, you know, I, I'm just going to repeat some of it. You know, the loyalty is, is a huge thing for me when you have you know, if you're a if you're a Pittsburgh Pirates fan or a Milwaukee Brewers fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. the The concept that your team has been there for a long time. I mean, just like you said, Cameron, it's been there. It has a history, but it's it's had to fight and dig and crawl and drop down and be the worst and be the best and have all of this the ebb and flow of that emotional roller coaster uh, of history is, is fantastic. I mean, if you want to be a New York Yankees fan, go cheer for Liverpool or Man United. Who the hell cares? I mean, they're, they're, they're brand. That's all they are now. I, in fact, I've never met someone that has not said, Oh, Manchester United. When you talk about English football, it's like, who, who cares? I mean, why would you want to be a fan of that? Right. I, I just feel like there's so much, so much of theirs, and I'm not belittling some of their true supporters, but there's so much of that, especially in the United States, where they're literally fans. I think there's a difference between a fan and a supporter. A fan is someone who's there through the good times, follows you in the bad sometimes, you know, maybe might bounce around it. But a supporter is there all the time. And it what better club would you want to support? than one that has been all over the place. It's been a roller coaster of a history. They've had terrible, terrible lows, um, you know, whether it's on the pitch or off. They've had issues. They've had they've had player player coaches. They've gone through buyouts. They've rotating door at the manager position. Sometimes it feels like who knows what the hell's going on. But in the end, they're always competitive. They're always there. It's just a fun. I think it's a fun club to be to be a part of. Yeah, I, I think I basically repeated what Cameron said. But why would you not want to be part of that? 
You you added a little bit of emotion into it. I like that, Dave. Right. Yep. Into it. Right. Now now we're. I think I'm 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 in. I'm a Chelsea supporter now. Well, so I think David and and Cameron they they appeal to your emotional side and and uh, you know even added some historical appreciation to it. I'm going to try to win you over rationally now. So I've been I've been lucky enough. I live six months in England. So I've been able to see many English cities and I was even lucky enough to return several years after that and visited even more English cities. London, I've been there a handful of times. I can't get enough of London. Every time I go there, even if I spend an entire week there, I'm like, man, I wish I had an extra week because you can't even scratch the surface of London. There's just so much to do, so much to see. London is awesome. So like if you're going to pick an English team, ideally you get to go out there and go see that English team in person. Do you really want to be traveling to Manchester or Liverpool every time you go to see your team? I mean, those places are fine, right? Like the same way, well, shoot, the same way Minneapolis, right? We love living here. We love living in Minneapolis, but this isn't the city that people are flying across the ocean to come to over and over again. London is. London is that city. If you're going to pick a team, pick it in London. And you don't want to be a fan of Arsenal. Even James, who's been an Arsenal fan his entire life, he was just on here. Rewind. Does he seem happy? He does not. He doesn't seem happy. And you don't want to be one of those just pompous Tottenham guys that thinks that they're picking the underdog because they didn't pick, you know, the evil empire in Chelsea or Manchester United. That is BS. Tottenham is as much of an evil empire as any of the other big six teams. They have a stadium that has an agreement with the NFL to play games there. You really think that they're the little guy? Shut up, Tottenham guys. They're just inept at it. <laughs> they're inept at their evilness. That's all. the only reason that they're the underdogs is because they never come through when it matters. Okay. That's the only reason that they're the underdogs. So they're kind of like the Vikings. They choke. Right. Right. And we don't like the Vikings, right? You don't want to be a Vikings fan. Right. Actually, yeah. David, David, I think a lot of Vikings fans do listen. So you might be kind of going against what we're going for. Right. Hey. <laughs> Justin's going to be mad at me when he re-listens to this. <laughs> Here's another very rational reason you should choose Chelsea. Is that you choose Chelsea, you have the most likable manager in the world who's actually doing a pretty good job in his first, this is his third season as a manager. Second for Chelsea. Already doing a great job. And he's the most likable guy in the world. You have this young crop of players who all came through the academy, Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham, Reese James, right? What a likable group to follow. 19, 20, 21 years old. What a likable group. And you get to watch them for the foreseeable future. And then you have Captain America himself. I know he's not healthy all the time, but when he is, man, that is just special play that you're watching and you're watching it from one of your own. Why not Chelsea? If you're looking to choose a team right now, why wouldn't you pick Chelsea? And Mike, let, me, let me hit on one thing you said there real quick. Frank Lampard is coach. And this goes back to the loyalty, right? He's oh, yeah. the manager of the club. He 
you know, he did move on at the very end of his career to another team, but he played forever at Chelsea, set all sorts of records and, and was the stalwart of that team for years and years and years. And we see that in Seattle with the Sounders where Brian Schmetzer is our coach. And since he's come taken over, we've won four or five championships. He grew up in Seattle. He went to Nathan Hale high school. He played for the Sounders and in the seventies and eighties, he coached the Sounders in the USL and was assistant coach in the uh, MLS before taking over homegrown coach taking over the club. That doesn't always go well. Went well for Robbie DiMatteo when he took over Chelsea at first and that didn't go so well, but there's always a fear that when a legend takes over a club, it's going to go miserably. It's not, this is loyalty across the board and it's breeding success. It's a culture of success within that club. Agreed. All right. I think it's time, guys. It's been recording this over the course of four days. I can tell it's going to be a long episode. I don't know exactly what the time length is on this one. I'm guessing we're approaching. Oh, we got to be past two hours. Ooh. I hope you all made it through the end. But Cameron and David, I think it's time to say goodbye now. Thank you so much for coming on. David, I've been a big fan of the lunacy for a while now. And Cameron, it's just been it's just been a blast having you on, and I hope to keep having you on. Thank you. Exactly. David, Thank t- you. Tell, them, tell them where they can hear your podcast so that everyone can find it. You can hear uh, – well, you can find Lunacy Podcast pretty much anywhere. Um, I suggest iTunes, uh, but we're also on Amazon Music, also on uh, Google. Yeah, if you search uh, – if you Google us, you'll find us. And and I, the reason I asked you that is so that I can self-promote as well before we leave here and say you can find my podcast, which is not sports related. It's about the intersection between pop culture, politics, and punk. Uh, so don't listen to it unless you're uh, into the lefty politics. But uh, it's Punk Rock Pariah. You can get it at anywhere. Punk Rock Pariah with Grendel, Greg, Grendel and Greg, anywhere that you get your podcast. And I have a new podcast launching at some point this month called Unincarcerated, the podcast which is about the film company that I'm starting with friends where we're trying to change the narrative around people that are previously incarcerated in this country. So I wanted to make sure to get plugs in for those before we leave today. Sweet guys. Well, hope to talk to you both again soon. David, I owe you a beer or whatever, whatever you want. When we're finally back at Allianz Field. After this episode, I owe a lot of beers. Let's just say that. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Well, Justin, that was a lot of Premier League. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was good. It was good to learn about all the different teams. Uh, it's fun to know that we have so many, so many fan bases represented within our, you know, our, our the podcast family. So yeah, it was, it was fun. And I can't believe how many people were willing to come on, especially people from other shows. That that really was great. You know, when we started this, uh, I would have never, I would have never thought how nice some people would be in the podcasting community and how much some people would reach out to us and, uh, or, or, you, you know, or just humor us. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe me tweet at them a little bit and they tweet back begrudgingly. And eventually we strike up a little bit more of a conversation to the point where I can invite them on the pod, but that's pretty cool. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening folks. Uh, this has been another episode of Pot on You Loons. Pot on You Loons. Yeah, thank you to everyone who came on. Do a little guest spot. Thank you to all the listeners. Until next time, man. Pot on You Loons. <laughs> <laughs>